Hey, everybody. Guess what we're doing? We're doing a uh, bonus episode this week, and we're going to be talking about the Good Morning America trailer for Solo. It's a solo trailer breakdown. We're going to break it down scene by scene and talk about it and give our thoughts on the trailer. And guess what? You're going to get a precious little time stamp here today uh, as to when. And just look in the description. You're going to get a little time stamp as to when you can start. If you don't want to listen to the solo stuff, if you're scared of uh, – of uh, spoilers, if you're a spoiler pussy, you're scared to death of Han Solo trailers. I don't want to know. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to know if Chewbacca's in this one. I don't want. I don't want to know. I don't want to know nothing. I'm going to give you a uh, timestamp as to when you can jump ahead in the episode, um, and you can then join in on the uh, Cloverfield discussion uh, with Jake, myself, and uh, Dan West. All right, guys, here you go. Enjoy. Bonus episode. Solo trailer breakdown and the Cloverfield Paradox review. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to a Pop Culture Leftovers bonus episode. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're the we leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, we're talking right now about uh, Solo, the Solo trailer the one that debuted on Good Morning America. This was less than a day later. Of course, they saved it for like the last half hour of Good Morning America. They couldn't like come right out of the gate with it. <laughs> Did you get up and watch Good Morning America? Fuck no. Fuck no. <laughs> but I, I wanted to see it on my like TV, you know, without having to pull it up on YouTube and all that stuff. And yeah. I wanted to see like how they covered it and everything. So I'm fast forwarding it and everything. And it's like the last half hour. I'm like, you're kidding me. I, of course, of course that's how they're going to do it. You know? Yeah. I've got the uh, trailers app on Apple TV and they put it up right away. Yeah. I was able to watch it that way. Oh yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch it on Good Morning America. I watched it for the first time somewhere else completely, but I wanted to watch it a little bit later on the big screen and everything. So. I don't know. Let's just, I guess we could jump into the breakdown here in a moment, but I, I did want to ask you, did you notice anything different from the first trailer to this trailer? As far as imagery or tone or? Uh, I noticed, I think that the dialogue was a little bit different in this one. It started off with different dialogue than it did in the last trailer, I believe. Uh, as you're talking about the Super Bowl teaser? Both trailers, between both trailers. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I feel like there was a lot of footage in the Super Bowl 15, 20 seconds that wasn't even in this trailer. Yeah, um, like the Imperial School and signing up for the Imperial School. I don't, yeah, that was there. I, I mean, Londo yeah. and his big fur coat shot, I think, yeah. was only in the Super Bowl shot. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to remember what the line was from the very first trailer. It was a, they were trying to say it was a very meta line, like, uh, you know, like, don't panic. It was, or like, it was maybe the line at the end of this trailer where it was like, oh, there's nothing to be worried about, you know, blah, blah, blah. And 
basically referring to the fans worried about this movie and you know what's happened with Phil Lord and Chris Miller and all that stuff. Oh, give me a second. I'm pull, I'm pulling up the game spot right now. I'm playing it. All right. I'll pause. All right. So what's yeah. the line? He says, so you want to make a difference. And yeah, trust me, you're going to like it. Yeah, exactly. Basically, tell like reassuring the fans, like, hey, don't worry. You're going to like this one. You know, <laughs> you may not think that this is the movie that you want, but trust us, it really is going to be the movie that you want. So I don't know. What's what's been the what's been the talk out there on the Internet? the uh, interwebs. About the uh, Han Solo trailer, like what's the general reception? Yeah, yeah. It seems it seems like it's pretty fair. Like I, I've seen a lot of comparison to Rogue One, of course, being yeah. the next anthology movie. Um, I haven't seen too much downright hating of this, though. It seems, I don't know, it seems pretty tepid. I, like no one's yeah. freaking out. But I no guess. One's... I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, uh, I, if you go, I, I, it depends on where you go, I guess, because I went to like makingstarwars.net where they uh, released the trailer and like they titled it like, you know, awesome Han Solo trailer with great action, blah, 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 or whatever it was. And people were responding with, oh, I'm glad you had to tell us it had great action, blah, blah, blah. And and uh, just kind of going off on the trailer and, and saying that they're really not looking forward to it. So I guess it's different everywhere you go. I, I think it's more of the diehard fans that are not into this because I don't think they can wrap their hands around somebody else playing the role of Han Solo other than Harrison Ford. And I, I think Harrison Ford has that way with his characters, like, you know, Indiana Jones, and some people just cannot see past Harrison Ford. Yeah, I can see that. You make some sense there. I've mostly been following the reception on Twitter, Yeah, just yeah. seeing it trending and then clicking on it and reading what everyone's yeah, saying. I don't know if it's just casual fans or, or what that are, like, more, I don't know, <sighs> cool. Uh, it's, this, I it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just I saw a lot of hate towards it on the makingstarwars.net page, but you know, it's been mixed. I guess it's been a mixed bag. So, yeah, I'm not surprised it's getting hate um, from some people. I yeah, mean, yeah. hating Star Wars is very in style right now. Oh, yeah. This, this season well, after the, hating, the last Jedi. Hating Disney and Lucasfilm is huge right now. I mean, they're even starting pages to drop the audience score down. So, I can totally see that happening here with with this movie as well. So yeah, so yeah, but I, I don't think um, the general public reception, as far as like the non-Star Wars freaks, have been like it's not this thing that everyone has a meme making fun of. No, like no, no, it, no. it could have been a bigger disaster. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so let's talk about this trailer. Let's break this down. Um, the trailer it starts with a we get a speeder chase here. Is this a is this a okay? It's a Tan Solo. It's Kira played by Amelia Clark. Uh, we know her from Game of Thrones and Terminator Genesis. Um, they're on the run here. But does this look like it starts off possibly as a race and then turns into a chase? Yeah, I think I think you're very correct there. And that makes a lot of sense. I got to imagine that Ron Howard would want to homage that kind of George Lucas spirit, you know, the yeah. American graffiti yeah. chase scene yeah, absolutely. with the cars and stuff. So I yeah. really was thinking the same thing, actually, that it's probably the, the chase race scenario. Well, we see, we do see um, like a second speeder. There's a, a large speeder and a smaller speeder, and it looks like they're racing and kind of crashing into each other, trying to cut the one, cut, cut each other off. And then later on when we see this chase scene, it's like we've got, like, stormtroopers after them and then stormtroopers, like, crashing into shit. Um, so it looks like you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a race that's, that turns into a chase. 
and you can clearly see that his passenger um, is having fun when they do the cut to them yeah. inside the vehicle. Yeah, so Kira's like, having fun. Yeah. So that's obviously not during the chase sequence because yeah. she's uh, she's smiling and responding well to you know kind of the stunt driving race stuff I think they're doing there. And then we see the gold dice hanging by a chain uh, in this scene as well. Uh, the ones that Leia got at the end of the Last Jedi that we actually see the uh, Luke Skywalker in the Last Jedi sees him on the Falcon, like hanging on the Falcon. Yeah, they've all of a sudden these gold dice are the most important thing that Han Solo ever had. Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of cool to kind of tie it in here, you know, if you're going to if you're going to do something like that. So, I have no problem I agree. with it at all. I I have no problem with it either. I kind of wish it they didn't need to shove it in my face right away in the trailer. It's actually one of my least favorite things about this trailer. Oh, I didn't mind. I just thought it was part of the scene. I don't know. I don't know. I maybe I I guess they're just kind of wanting to show people like, "Hey, you want to find out what the deal is with these dice. Got to come see the movie. <laughs> yeah, everyone's clamoring about the dice. I, I um. So I don't. Before mind. we start, before we keep breaking down stuff, I yeah. really like the um, way this trailer really cold opens and just the flow of this trailer in general. Just like kind of that snap finger noise you get, and yeah. then it just wham, you're into this trailer. A lot of people are not liking the beginning of this trailer. At least not just the trailer, just like the way that this scene feels. They're comparing it to uh they're comparing han solo here to the 2009 jj abrams captain kirk in in that star trek film and i it's hard not to i i got that feeling as well before i started even reading the comments but to play devil's advocate jj abrams is admittedly a bigger star wars fan than he was a star trek fan so i feel like he was actually trying to turn Kirk a little bit into Han Solo when he did those movies. So I think it's kind of... It's, yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree to the level of he was trying to turn Star Trek in general into Star Wars when he was making that movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've, I've talked about that point many times in the past. He's just a, it's very much a, an action movie, not very, like, science Roddenberry at all. It's just more Star Trek action. Yeah, so. cue the Beastie Boys. Let's blow shit up. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he does it. Well, he does Beastie Boys and fucking Star Wars. We had Elo Asti. So, oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. We didn't get the music though. I, <laughs> no, you're not. Gonna, you're not going to get Beastie Boys music in a Star Wars <laughs> film. But he he had to give us a Beastie Boys Easter egg with that pilot named Elo Asti. Uh, that'd be great to get a John Williams like breakdown version of a Beastie Boys song. <laughs> yeah, I'll pass. Uh, uh, let's see. We get the dialogue from Han saying, "I've been running scams since I was ten. Kicked out of the flight academy for having my own, uh, for having a mind of my own." So this is the same flight academy that Luke wanted to enlist into. And I mean, we know that this is like a this is like a thing. I guess um, is it canon in the Star Wars universe that that pilots would sign up with the empire learn how to pilot and the defect and join the rebellion is that 100 percent canon i think it is with that big i think right? it has to be i mean you just got to imagine that that's that's going to happen i mean yeah. that's basically it's hard to erase that that's not happening that's right. just always going to be part of the deal i think yeah is this chase scene that we're watching here is it happening on corellia hmm, that's a good question that's a good question. I, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, it looks like very industrial and I don't know. It, the, the speeders that we see, they're big. They're like not sleek. They're like chunky and blocky and they look yeah. nothing like the speeders that we see from like Return of the Jedi. So I don't know. I don't know if this planet is Corellia or not, but I would guess that it, it's, it's Corellia. We're seeing Han 
at home on Corellia and speeding around with his girl. Yeah, I agree. This looks to be like the youngest Han we're getting in these scenes, yeah, which makes me even more convinced that it's probably Corellia. Well, this movie takes place over a six-year period, so we're getting to see Han Solo from the years of ages of 18 to 24. So a lot. I would guess that this is the 18 stuff by oh. like the makeup and the way he looks and everything. Absolutely. Um, we get um, Woody Harrelson. I'm definitely agreeing with you that this is the beginning of the movie. And I have some theories – and it's all speculation about Kira for me. But I, I do have some speculation about her just based on her appearance uh, in these Yeah, eras. she's definitely a character that is going to show up in all the eras, it seems like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we get our first look here at Woody Harrelson as Tobias Beckett, uh, who is going to be Hans mentor in the film. And then he's also a criminal. And uh, he says, hey, kid, I'm putting together a crew, you in. And then when he says that... They're showing – this has got to be – they've got to be mixing scenes here with just dialogue because he's on a planet that has these like large rocks, pillars, spikes sticking out of it. Like it's kind of like – looks like Stonehenge a little bit. Um, but then like when he says, are you in? They're on a – that's on like a desert planet when he says that with the spikes or whatever. And then like later on he says, are you in? They're on like a – like that uh, mountain snow planet that we see the uh, train in later. So th- this is all mixed up. Like I don't know – like at this conversation, I don't know where it's happening. <laughs> if it's happening, it's probably happening on that mountaintop I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you because it looks like he's very cold. They do they do the big mountain overview. Yeah. And then when Woody Harrelson delivers the line, then they just cut to – all over the place because they show the montage of basically yeah. everyone that's also in. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Ben, this is the shot, man. Oh, my God. Now we're getting into some crazy shit. It's all speculation from here on out for some of it. We get a shot of Kira coming down the ramp of the Falcon, and she's wearing, like, a red cape. And um, I don't know. I was wondering if this, like, somehow connected later on down the road to Lando wearing capes. Because we don't hmm. we don't see Lando in um, this in any of the clips wearing a cape. He's like wearing a fur coat in like one of the scenes. It looks like, but it's doesn't not- he have a cape possibly in his character one sheet poster? Am I crazy about that? I'm looking that up right now. Oh, the poster! I didn't even think about the poster. He might. I don't I know. I think maybe he does. He's got like the yellow and the blue and the the cape. Well, he might in cr- the poster. I. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking poster. Um, I think you're in the trailer. I don't think you see it though. But yeah, he does have it. I'm, I just pulled up the poster and he's got the the okay. blue cape with the high neck guard. If you know what I'm huh. talking about. Yeah, I don't know if he gets if he gets the idea for that from watching her rock these capes or I don't know. <laughs> that was just. I, I think I don't think that's far off. I think Lando's very into fashion, and if yeah. he sees fashion he likes, I, I don't think he'd be against trying well, to emulate that about, maybe if this was like early on like there's like a reason for him to like wear this later like if he needs to act pretend like he's royalty or something later on and then he kind of gets used to it and likes it and <laughs> makes starts making his own capes i don't know just throwing it out there um but we see her walking down uh that the ramp of the falcon wearing this cape um i don't know when this happens in the story but she's uh being followed by a, a new droid 
um, in the Star Wars universe. And I think the droid is being played by this droid in particular that we see is being played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And the droid's name, I believe, is L337. And uh, Star Wars Wikia says L337 was a droid with feminine programming who resided in the galaxy during the reign of the Galactic Empire. And that's all I could find. Feminine uh, programming? Yes. Hmm. Yes, that's I mean, interesting. well, yeah, um, I mean, for the longest time, they were, the, there was the people talking about, like, was it, was it BB-8 or R2? Did they, that they were speculating that had feminine programming. There's a whole article years ago about one of those two droids possibly having feminine programming. And it's not C-3PO. I was going to say that as well. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, um, I guess we're going to find out more about L337 this week from Anthony Bresnikan. Um, he's going to have more details on that character and more details, details on Kira. Um, but yeah, it seems like the perfect week for like an entertainment weekly piece, probably, yeah. right? That's got to yeah. be hitting probably this Thursday. Yeah. It's, I'm sure some of these interviews are embargoed until a certain date. So, um, let's see here. I, I don't know why. Why do you think Kira's dressed like that? Is this is this her later in the film? I mean, we we talked earlier about this taking place over a six year time period. Maybe this is her. Maybe this is her playing like dress up, and her and Han are trying to fool somebody. Or maybe this is like her character like years later on down the road. I one of my. I think of, it's the. I think it's the years later down the road. Honestly, okay. I think it just ends up being happenstance that when um, I forget Woody Harrelson's character name in the movie. Mm-hmm. What, what's his oh, name? Tobias Beckett. Okay, when Beckett assembles the team, uh-huh. I think he brings her on, and then that's where she's at now in her life. I here's my thing. I and I don't know, but I I think this is later on. Like at the, I think that she might come from a rich family. She might even come from royalty. Um, and with her hanging out with and you know, yeah, of course, like Han has a thing for princesses at that point. We we definitely know that. But like if that's the case, and I, I don't know this, I. I I, I, I'm just speculating, but like the cape made me think of like royalty and it would be kind of interesting. Like here we've got this royal, you know, princess of Corellia hanging out with like the bad boy of Corellia, you know, like good girls like bad boys, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're onto something. I wouldn't be surprised if she was some kind of connection to some kind of royalty of somehow. Well, she's definitely rich. I mean, later on in the trailer, we see Han and he's still doing his criminal smug smuggler type shit. And she's around like it looks like a bunch of like rich politicians, aristocrats and shit like that. She's got her hair down and she looks like she's doing really well for herself. So I don't you know, I mean, she definitely is coming to money or is from money. Yeah, I was wondering if we'd gone back to Canto Bite for a minute when I saw this trailer for the very first time. Yeah, there there was that one scene that looked a little like Canto Bite, but then we do see like later on. I'm yeah, I'm jumping ahead. We'll we'll get to that. Um, we do um, see, like I said, we see L three thirty seven, and we actually see L three thirty seven and Lando do some sort of like secret handshake with each other, like on the Falcon, like some kind of like friend handshake thing. Um, yeah, some finger snapping yeah, yeah. thing going on. I thought that was really cool. Um, the in between the um, beginning and the Beckett stuff, we we do get our first view of the Falcon in this movie, which was actually one of the moments of the trailer that really blew me away. Seeing the interior shot of the camera going mm-hmm. through the Falcon and having it be so clean and pristine, yeah, was really stunning. Like those hall shots of the Falcon, so just. 
did, no dirt. Did was okay. So was Lando the original owner, or the way that Kira walks off that ramp? Was she the original owner? I feel like Kira was the original owner at this point. And then she got it from, and then Lando got it from her, and then Han won it from Lando. So yeah, yeah, we'll I see. think I think that's correct. Uh, we also get a glimpse of uh, Beckett's crew, uh, which looks like it's made up of Tobias Beckett himself, played by Woody Harrelson, L-337, the droid, Lando Calrissian, and Val, a brand new character played by Tandy Newton, who was Maeve for all of uh, the Westworld fans out there. Um, this character is not to be confused with Val from the novel The Old Republic Deceived. Um, but anyway, we see Val... Just a real quick shot of Val in this. And she looks mean. She's got kind of like a scowl on her face, and she's carrying a huge blaster gun. Um, and I have a lot of speculation about this character from just this one scene. Because it looks to me, Jake, like, you know, he says <laughs> he's talking about his crew, and then we get a shot of the crew, and it looks like she's part of the crew, and we know that this movie takes place over six years. We we actually talked about her character on the show months ago. There was a picture of Tandy Newton and Ron Howard on set where Ron Howard had his arm around Tandy. And he had his hand strategically placed on her shoulder. And he's covering up a black and white patch. And the black and white patch, if you take his hand away, it looks like it's representative of a Galactic Empire patch. So... Wow. What we either know from this character, if, if we're to believe that that's, it could be misdirection. They could have just thrown a jacket on her for misdirection, okay? I don't know. Otherwise, her character starts off as a member of the crew, and she turns, or, or she goes undercover to infiltrate the Empire, and that's classic Star Wars. But if I had to take a guess, it's, with this story taking place over a six year span, that we're actually going to see her turn and we'll see possibly Tandy Newton as the main villain in the movie. The only thing is that she's like wearing what looks like it's like a, a jacket. So that means that she could be a pilot for the Empire. So maybe we'll see her like in a dog fight with the Falcon and actually like getting her hands dirty instead of like one of these officers that's just like kind of chilling, sitting comfortably on a deck and like yelling out orders and shit. So... That's cool. I, I really like the stuff you're saying about the six years. Like, I yes. hope they do take advantage of that a lot. Yes. And we see a lot of this, like, starting here but ending there, character yeah. evolution. I, I hope they make the most of that plot device because it's a really cool plot device for it's, a Star Wars movie. It's really interesting, man. I, 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 I'm thinking to myself, this is what I'm thinking, man. I'm thinking he puts together a crew, okay, and they're going to pull off some some sort of heist. They, some, some crime and, and they get, they all get caught. Every last one of them gets caught. Um, and then I would imagine at that point, cause we've seen some leaked photos of Beckett and Han in Imperial clothing. So they're probably, once they get caught, they're like, Hey, you can either go to prison or you can join the empire. And they give, you know, Val the same offer. Yeah, but she probably actually takes it. She, well, they all take it. They defect and get away. Now they're on the run from the Empire. But Val, like, last moment, like, they're all supposed to leave together. 
she ends up thinking to herself, like, it's good here. I like it here. I finally have somebody like, you know, that appreciates what I do or blah, blah, blah. Maybe she's jealous of like the father son relationship that, um, you know, Beckett and Han have. And she, and, uh, she, she wanted that relationship with, with Beckett. I don't know. I mean, these are all things that we'll find out when we see the movie and I'm just speculating, but I think she does stay with the empire for, for certain reasons and then rises up in the ranks. Yeah. I hope you're right. Cause I, you know, she's a great actress and I really, before this conversation didn't really think about her getting much screen time in this movie. Oh, see? Yeah. I, I, I figured that they would give her just as much, um, treatment as they would give given Ben Mendelsohn in Rogue One. Um, I, See, I was more considering her um, like the some of the other characters in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh gosh, I'm forgetting the uh, yeah, like Riz like on, the Riz blind, Ahmed, you know, and uh, yeah, Chirrut Imway and yeah, like the Chirrut Imway yeah. and like that. No, I'm thinking that they're not showing us a lot of her character because they're trying to hide possibly the fact that she does become the villain in the in the movie. Okay, I like that. I hope that's true because I mean, she you know, could definitely handle that. Yeah, that's you know, it would be kind of a twist to see like one of the members of the crew now going up against the crew. Because as far as I know, Jake, we don't know the main villain of this film. Yeah, or if it even has one potentially. I mean, it, the way it's flowed out, it could just be you know these vignettes of I, these Han Solo adventures. I, I I doubt it. I think that, that I I don't know. I think that we are going to have a main villain. I, I know that. I think there's some, there's definitely some other villains that are in this movie, but I think that there should be an overarching villain, and I hope that that's that's who they're going to give this to. I think, I think, in order for like you know, good action movies to be great, the hero has to overcome just as good a villain, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. So you think we're going to have that? Yeah, I guess it's a Star Wars movie. It's got to yeah. have that final action sequence yeah. that puts everything on the line. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I, let's talk about some other characters that we saw here. Uh, that, another character that's a part of the crew, I don't know the name of. Um, we see this other character who has four hands, kind of looks like Maz Kanata in the face. I was going to say the same thing. I had to actually like rewind. Yeah. It was like, was that Maz? No, it's a, it, the character's got like four arms. You can see him at like the gunner controls and like he's got multiple arms. So, um, this, I don't think it's there's a there's I don't think it's a character named Moloch. There's a character named Moloch played by Harley Durst. I, I know nothing about the character. Uh, I'll talk a little bit later about a character who I think he might be playing. Um, but I just saw the name of the actor, and I'm just you know it could be it could be Moloch uh, played by Harley Durst. But I don't think that it is. Um, Harley Durst is not a voice actor, so. Yeah, that makes sense. But and the, the and character they don't show could, anyone else in this montage of crew members, so they, he's probably not part of that. Well, it, 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 he could be the mocap for this character. It could be two two people playing the character. You know, you could have one voice actor and then the other be the mocap. Um, this guy's a stunt actor. He's been he's known for doing. Um, uh, he was on X Men Origins Wolverine and then I Frankenstein. He's done you know stunts for movies, but I, I still don't think that. That it's uh, Harley Durst, hmm. Moloch, that character is this character. So I have no idea who this alien character is. Yeah, the stunt background does does lean me to thinking maybe he is the mocap guy. The, well, no, the stunt makes me think that he's the. I was gonna, I was going to get to it later, but the the tribe that we see 
later on in the in the trailer that are holding like the staffs on that one desert planet. And he, oh, I gotcha. he, he fights him on the train. I think he's going to be the leader. I think Moloch will be the leader of that tribe, and he'll be performing a lot of the, the action stunts and the fighting and things like that. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Uh, that's where we do see Han and Kira next in a, in a scene walking on that sandy planet. It's near a sea, and then we see kind of like a tower near the water. Um, we see that tribe of aliens that are holding uh, staffs. Some of them are holding staffs. They got weapons. And... Um, yeah, that's, I, th- I'm, if I had to guess, I think that this would probably with that, the action star Moloch would be this, the leader of the tribe that he fights or something. Um, then we see the spinning train scene. Uh, then we see Han flying a ship, not the Falcon, but flying a ship away from like this huge kind of like blast that's gone off on the planet. Um, that we see the, you know, the, the snowy mountains in with the train and everything. So a big portion of that planet is blowing up or the mountains are blowing up or maybe the whole fucking planet's blowing up. I have no clue. Is that planet Kessel? I, I don't know. I do want to talk about Kessel later. I don't know if that's the, if, if that's the, it doesn't look like Kessel, um, from like what we've seen of Kessel in Rebels. Okay. And that's all I've seen Kessel in was in Rebels. Rebels, it looked, it didn't look like a snowy, like the salt mines, the spice mines, excuse me, the spice mines. I keep saying salt mines because I keep thinking of, uh, <laughs> Last Jedi. Crate, yeah. Spice yeah. mines of Kessel. Um, we saw it in Rebels, but it wasn't like, it was, it looked like, I can't remember. It's been like two fucking years since I've seen that episode, but that was like, I just remember it not being snowy planet. It was not a, not a snowy, planet but they're up in the mountains so i mean further up in the mountains a castle it might look like that so i i don't know this it could be castle i'm not sure um we get a shot of han on the ground um against that tribe and he's kind of like in a gunslinger stance um we just kind of see him like i guess like with his hips bent and like hands on the gun possibly there going for the gun the blaster yeah, that's uh, that's a real classic kind of Han Solo motif, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that going to be the shoot first moment? I, yeah, I hope so. We've been talking about that for forever <laughs> that they're going to put that right. So um, yeah. we'll see. Uh, we show they show Kira again. Her hair is down, and oh yeah, this is the scene where she looks like she's done really well for herself. She's in really nice clothes, and. Then we get another scene of Han and Kira now with her hair up, and it looks like they might be in a tent, and I don't know if this is the same planet with that tribe, and they're in one of the tents. And she says, um, I may be the only person who knows what you really are. And why does she, why does she say what you really are? Uh, I was, I thought about this. I, I think um, he's pretending to be like a helpful, good guy. And she's saying that she knows he's a scoundrel. Okay. And um, I think this this little moment really mm-hmm. sold me on Alden Wright too. I mean, I know we haven't seen much, but I thought he was very charming and convincing I, in this little moment here. I did not. Um, oh, I liked it. I am not sold on him yet. I need to see more. Um, he sounded very um, – just the way he said it, he didn't come off confident um, like I would – assume Han would he kind of came off like he was a little nervous to ask the question so I don't I don't know if that's what they were going for or if I interpreted it wrong but man I don't I don't know I just wasn't the biggest fan 
um, of like yeah between between this shot and the shot in the Falcon yeah. where he delivers some lines. I really I really enjoyed both of those deliveries. I did. I wouldn't say I hated them, but I did. I could. I didn't walk away saying like, "Wow, yeah, I'm sold." I'm not yet. I'm, I'm, I'm very lukewarm on him right now, as far as like what I've seen. Like, I need to see more. I'm not counting him out and saying he can't do the character justice. I'm just saying like it didn't. It didn't get me excited. I wish. I wish I could say that it would, but I'm not going to lie to myself and say I, I was more excited by the imagery and the the scenes just the, the flashes of imagery and like all the speculation got me really yeah excited. i hear you. I, I, that got me excited too but i i can't lie i the album rec stuff really did get me excited yeah. oh man he he had that big warm smile at the end and sure you know just he seemed real light and cracking the joke i thought yeah i thought it was good stuff I, it made me excited it was the biggest thing i was worried about yeah was that just being stupid I'm still, and it wasn't stupid i'm still worried it wasn't stupid i'm still worried i just didn't see han in that performance it just even though the, even the look yet i'm still i still haven't seen i haven't seen enough han solo in his performance to to sell me quite yet so um then we see the millennium falcon speeding away from a star destroyer coming through a vortex and this is like we've heard about you know han taking the falcon through the kessel run in less than 12 parsecs and according to the expanded universe the kessel run is full of black holes now i don't know if they're going to take that from the expanded universe but this is what we could be seeing here possibly um is the legendary kessel run in this scene so i think you're 100 percent correct actually um, Especially because we're definitely going to see it, and this definitely looks like the kind of stuff that we would be seeing during it—the the black hole stuff, and then the, later on all the different crazy stuff, creature stuff going on. I think they're going to play Soundgarden's "Black Hole Sun" at this moment. <laughs> I hope you're wrong on that one. <laughs> Fucking amazing! Well, that'd be oh no, it makes sense. They uh, in the uh, Westworld, Tandy Newton um, in the uh, bar, the the piano bar played black hole sun in the first episode of westworld i would be okay with the fan edit of that but yeah. i hope it's not the actual movie all right we see uh tie fighters <laughs> drop out of the bottom of that big star destroyer um and i showed you the picture of these jake because uh the screenshots there's an extra pod in them so it, they're they're wider and the extra pod is for an additional cannon or cannons on these tie fighters yeah, you actually see both of them firing too. Like that one ship in the front, you see the lasers come out of both turrets. Yeah, so these are like Tie Fighters on steroids. Yeah, it's always. I think they're cool. Like I like the design, but this prequel new ship design stuff is always weird to me. Yeah. Like I get that they want to sell new toys. Yeah, you're and just everything. like, why don't we see them later in other things? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like there's going to be so many future movies, and, and I understand they can't just sell Tie Fighters over and over again. You got to make everyone have a reason to buy the new Double Bubble Tie Fighter. But yeah, exactly. We'll never see them again. I don't want them digitally inserted into the classic movies along with the all the other digital yeah. inserts. Oh, they're I, they're done. That was that's all Lucas, man. We're never going to get those. They're not. They're, I don't think Disney now that they're in control of Luke, Lucasfilm. You know, Kathleen Kennedy is not going to be doing these like oh we're gonna make the ewoks blink bullshit and all that. i mean they're not gonna be fucking with their movies that way yeah i agree but they could still do things like okay this movie takes place in between empire and return of the jedi and now it has double bubble tie fighters i don't they won't do it 
Oh, oh, as far as oh, as far as like new movies coming out. Yes, sure. as far as new movies coming yeah. out. I don't mind. I don't mind. I, I think it's I think it's fun. You know, just to just to see like different ships and designs and things like that. I don't know. It, it doesn't really bother me. Yeah, if I don't know, it's just like. It's it's this Tie Fighter too. If it would just be an all new ship, I would not be as like miffed about never seeing yeah, it again. But if this thing is in this movie and actually makes an impact in chasing people down and attacking, then it's like, well, why did they ever stop using this? Well, just think about. I mean, it's just basically it's it's toy companies, man, saying. Oh, oh yeah. You know, I said that. I, I know they need to sell the toys, but can you? Uh, because they made the Black Series Tie Fighter, and now if they made this in a Black Series, they can add another like fifty bucks to it, and fans will still buy it. So yeah, they don't want their chunky Pinewood Derby Han Solo race car instead. Mm. Their brand new vehicle. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I. I don't. I thought it. I thought the design kind of looked cool. I, you know, I. I oh no! This is nothing on the design. I think the design is sweet as fuck. I, I, I think I, the ship is awesome. I get where you're coming from. I. I don't like some of the problems that the Last Jedi created with this whole like, let's fly a gigantic ship into uh um, let's go light speed into a gigantic, gigantic ship. You know, it. <laughs> yeah. Episode nine: The Light Speed Wars. Yeah. I get, you know, I don't, nah, I'm not going to get into that whole thing. Anyway, we see, uh, and then I guess the trailer ends with the Falcon evading some sort of like giant kaiju tentacled Cthulhu type monster. Yeah, <laughs> nice description. Yeah, yeah. it's like Yog Sothoth or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That, I don't know, man. I, I fucking love the trailer, man. I really did. I- I like the trailer a lot too. This end part though gave definitely gave me an episode one five of when they're in the uh submarine just dodging thing after thing. Well I, well and then uh what was it? The in uh was it Empire with the gigantic creature that they flew out of the mouth of and Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So with the Minox. Yeah, with the Minox, yeah, exactly. I was thinking about that too. Cause like they actually like it looked like they flew through this creature's teeth as well in this trailer. So or away from yeah. his teeth or something. So I don't know. I, I give the, I give this trailer a high taste. It though about the only thing missing from it was I would I would have liked to seen some more Lando delivery. I think they know we all want that, mm-hmm. so they're holding it back. Yeah, yeah. It, I, it's like it's like the one thing the studio knows that we're all in agreement will probably be good. So they're they're like, well, we just won't show them that. Yeah, I'm gonna give it um, I'm gonna give it a high taste as well. My hype for the movie is at a Tupperware, but I I I am like you. I'm not sold on Alden Ehrenreich yet. I'm gonna give him a chance. I'm not. I've not counted the guy out, but I just have not seen. I haven't seen yeah. on from him. I haven't seen like that smirk. Like he doesn't have it down for me. And I'm starting to think to myself, like I know Anthony and Gruber's not the best actor, but man, he can do a damn good Han Solo. And I'm like, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I don't really need an impression though, man. I'm telling you, I watched this thing like 15 times in a row. And every time I saw that last moment, it made me smile more. Yeah. And I thought it was because of him and his charisma is what sold that. Because otherwise, it's just a ridiculous yeah. scene, just like episode one, where we're just flying through creature after creature. I felt like it was a guy smiling, reading lines, man. It, he, it didn't feel like the Alden Ehrenreich the, that we saw in Hail Caesar that was that. I don't know. I, I, need, I need to see more. I, I just For some reason, I just not, it was not sold. So yeah. I, just gotta I, I mean, I'm not going out and buying his T-shirt just yet. Yeah, but I, I'm not. 
Oof, I'm not crucifying. No, I wish I would have. I had, think it could be good. I wish I would have had the same feeling watching the trailer that you had, smiling at the end and excited for to see the performance. I just, I'm not there. There's still some stuff that we did not see uh, in the trailer, as far as I know. Um, we did not see Paul Bettany's character, I believe. Um, Michael K. Williams had originally been cast in this film, but he had to leave from the final film after being unable to return to set. Uh, for the for the reshoots, he couldn't come back for reshoots, so they just replaced his character altogether, who was originally an AI motion capture <laughs> character. They replaced that's gotta suck. They replaced his character one hundred percent with Paul Bettany, and changed the character from mocap to now human. Because I, it's probably I don't. They probably didn't have the time to do it in post anymore. That's, it probably that's, had to be human. Exactly. That's that's what I'm thinking what happened. It, this was like the reverse job of the hut where like it was originally <laughs> human and then turned into like a you know a puppet later. Yeah. Reverse job of the hut is definitely the way to go. Yeah. You, you know we didn't want them trying to do it over the CG work that they'd already probably established. I'm glad we uh, didn't I, see Job of the Hut in this trailer. Yeah, do you think we're gonna get any are we getting Job of the Hut for I, sure? Dude, come on. If if Rogue One is any indication <laughs> with the, with all the Easter eggs in that movie. We're getting Greedo, we're um, getting Job of the Hut, fuck we're yeah, getting we are. Fortuna, we're uh, getting Gamorian Guards. Yes, we're getting it all. Uh, <laughs> um, we also uh we additionally in this we did not as far as I know, um we didn't see some of the other characters um We've got – we're hearing that John Kasdan and first assistant director Toby Hefferman are going to portray Tag Greenlee and Bink Otwana. Uh, Tag and Bink, they were characters that appeared in the Star Wars comics during – you know, back when Dark Horse Comics was doing it. I never read the Tag and Bink comics, um, but for fans of those, they should be excited. Is John Kasdan any relation to the writer of this movie, yeah. Lawrence Kasdan? That's his son. This is they're doing oh, this. Okay. They worked on the screenplay together. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's his son. I didn't, the one and the same playing this kind of Easter egg character, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ian Kenny, Warwick Davis, and Clint Howard are also in the cast, but we don't know who they're playing. If I had to guess, what do you think? I don't know. Clint Howard, he could play. <laughs> He could be like an imperial officer, or or a crazy ass Star Wars yeah, alien. You never know. You never know. Uh, Warwick Davis, um, definitely probably an alien. Um, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's uh, that's all I got, man. I don't know. Did did you? Is there anything that you wanted to add to this that maybe I missed, or things that you're looking forward to, or? No, I don't know. I'm just glad that I'm excited for this. I mean, I, I thought it was, I, I was really worried on seeing this footage that something was just going to be a giant turnoff for me, whether it be, you know, Alden Eidenreich or just the way the effects looked or, yeah. or just the sensibilities of it. And, and for the most part, I'm happy. Um, it does kind of have that, like, uh, how do you describe it? It's got that same like washed out cinematography that Rogue One kind of has. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Definitely, especially like the the beginning scenes. No, everything does. Even like the Jetta scenes, it looks like everything Jetta scenes. Does. Everything, yeah, 
um, a lot of the exterior planet shots are yeah. very Rogue One-ish to me. Yeah. And um, th- that's my only thing I'm a little bit nervous about is that it's going to feel a little bit too much like that. But uh, I, I don't know. On I mean, the this flip is- side, though, we've heard of – I think – haven't we heard that we're at least going to like six planets on this? Yeah, I mean that's cool, but it all it all depends on you know the impact that that is in the first place. I mean, one of my complaints about Episode Seven is kind of how they it's really even Rogue One does kind of a bad job of establishing the planets in the movie, yeah, and making a big impact with those planets, you know. Yeah, I'm just saying, like as far as like aesthetically things changing throughout the movie, hopefully. You know, we'll see a lot of different cool planets and and things like that. Because I, I think Ryan Johnson did a great job. You know, especially especially with Crate. I mean, we can go on and on and on and on about Crate. How amazing that was. But I, I agree. I think Crate is the best job, honestly, since Episode Three. I yeah. think they really haven't captured Lucas's like way of having these like planets established as something really like important in Star Wars lore. I mean, in Episode Three, you got Mustafar and. Yeah. You know, even in the prequels, he did that really well. And I agree. Ryan Johnson, I think, finally got as close to anyone as nailing that with Crate. Right. Yeah. So, so Episode 7, I thought, did. I love Episode 7, but it's not. It's, about it's, any it's, of it's planets. A, the planets are just like Starkiller Base is like, you know, uh, Hoth 2.0. Yeah. and J- Jakku is, is Tatooine, Tatooine like 3.0. 2.0. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing really new there. So I agree. You know, it's like the next forest planet we go to, we're just going to be calling it, you know, Endor. And if we if we go to another swamp planet, it's Dagobah. It's just like, I, I don't know. It's I guess it's, you know, and like Jeddah was almost as close. It was just basically like a, a holy version of Jakku, you know? Yeah, yeah. Crate was just so visually. It's too bad. I, we're on the Han Solo podcast talking about Crate now, but. Uh, it's too bad we didn't spend more time there, or we're, we probably will never go back there in one of these movies yeah. anytime soon because it was really visually stunning hey, seeing the ships on that. Jeddah is just the name of the city. What planet was that? Was that on Jakku? Uh, I see. They did such a terrible job. I think. Like, really- no, it wasn't on Jakku because we were worried about the planet blowing up before the movie came out. So that's it's definitely not Jakku. But, no, it's not Jakku. I forget I, what Jeddah was on, the name of that planet. Yeah, I do, I'd have to look it up. So, All right, that's all it's I cause got. It, it's because it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. But, yeah, that's all I got, man. Yeah, I'm, I, I guess, real quick, what did you think about the music in this? I thought the music was kind of lacking. Yeah. I know it's, prob- it's probably not any of the actual music that'll be in the movie, mm-hmm. but it felt really temp and real rushed. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really the music. M- music really didn't do anything for me. I think it was mostly the... The action set pieces looked incredible to me. I'm really looking forward to some of these action set pieces. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, man. Yeah, this was fun. I got nothing more. I, I'm sure we'll be talking about Hot Solo for the next three months nonstop here. Shit, I'm sure as soon as an hour goes by, there'll be more news about this, and it won't make it into this week's podcast, but we'll just talk about it next week. <laughs> yes. All right, man. We'll talk to you guys later. Later.
are back, and we're going to be jumping into uh, the Cloverfield Paradox. I'm joined, of course, by Jake. Yep, I'm back. And joining us this time, uh, Dan West. Bono, Stacey. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, crazy, crazy. Let's talk about leading up to this. Uh, so basically... Uh, it was under distribution by Paramount Pictures. The film had been in development since 2012. It was initially called God Particle. Uh, we knew about that. We'd been talking about that for a long time. It was not originally connected to the Cloverfield series, but since then, the film was then confirmed to be the third film in the series, but it had been postponed multiple times. And then they launched a surprise trailer during the Super Bowl. With the announcement that it was going to be released on Netflix the same day after the game. Um, Boom. So then we got this film. Um, I guess it's uh, directed by Julius Ona, written by Oren Uziel and Doug Young. And it's the third installment of the Cloverfield franchise from J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Productions. It stars Daniel Bruhl, Elizabeth Debicki, Axel Henney, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, Chris O'Dowd, John Ortiz, David Oyelowo, and Zhang Ziyi. Um, huge cast. And it follows the, an international group of astronauts aboard a space station who, after using a particle accelerator, try to solve the Earth's energy crisis and uh, lose the Earth and... Uh, Need to find it. <laughs> need, need to find some wacky shit. It's crazy fucking shit going on in this. Let's, uh, you know what? We have a rating system on uh, on uh, pop culture leftovers. I'm not gonna play it. It's if we hate it, we toss it. If we like it, we taste it. And if we love it, we give it a Tupperware rating. Um, I'm gonna start off with uh, Dan. What are your thoughts on? Uh, on uh, Cloverfield Paradox, and actually, before you jump into that, what did you think about the first two films? Were you a fan? Um, I tossed the original movie, crazy, and crazy and talk. I Tupperware the second movie. Mm-hmm. So it's just like polar opposites yeah. for me. Okay. So, so um, yeah. So this one, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect at all. It was absolutely crazy. So, uh, but I'm just gonna, oh man. I've been fighting with this because I've literally just watched it, but I think I'm going to go for a low taste it on this one. Okay. All right. We'll jump into the since why. Jake, what are you thinking? Can I ask Dan a quick question? Yeah. Hey, do you not like any of the found footage movies? No, I don't mind found footage movies. Um, I just didn't, and I, I know that, you know, it's like a it's a really good example of a found footage movie and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I like the whole monster idea. I love monster movies, but I just couldn't get on with the characters, man. They made so many stupid choices in it, and it pissed me off so damn much. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I hated it. And it was just like found finds a woman with a fucking metal rod sticking out of her stomach, pulls her off of it. Oh, she's fine. Let's carry on. <laughs> I mean, dumb. they do establish they're drinking very heavily at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, but that doesn't stop you from not dying when you get impaled by a fucking raw iron bar. All right, all right, I'll move on. Um, yeah, I'm um, I'm gonna give this movie just right off the bat. I'm saying I'm gonna give it a taste. It. Um, I thought the first half was stronger than the second half. Um, I get, I love this kind of genre, like where it's like that. Here's the seven to eight people. It was six people, I believe, on a space station. 
and who's going to make it to the end and how, you know, what's going to happen to him on the way. But I feel like all the tension kind of broke up for me about halfway through the movie. And I found the second half to be, to be kind of lacking. I thought the last like five minutes were absolutely kind of ridiculous. And, um, yeah, I didn't hate this movie, but I, I did not love it either. It's a, it's a taste it. Yeah. I feel like this movie, I, if, if it was not a Cloverfield movie, um, I don't think it should be. Number one, I'm just going to come right out or out of the bat and say I don't think it should be a Cloverfield movie. Um, I think the other Cloverfield movies were way more inventive. And this is like Jake, like it, it has a formula that I usually am a sucker for. Um, mm-hmm. I love those, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a space station. Like it doesn't have to be like Ripley on a space station or, you know, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the movie. Um, like Sam Neill in Event Horizon? That's the movie I was thinking of, Event Horizon. It doesn't even yeah. have to be like that. I, I'm also like a sucker for like guy, people, men and women stuck on a submarine, you know? Um, uh, like I Even like Leviathan, as bad as Leviathan is, I loved that movie when I was a kid. Peter Weller. Yeah. And Me too. I, Me yeah. too. Survival situation movies are fun. So I... I... Um, Basically, looking at this as like a just like a B movie, um, I'm gonna give it a high taste it because I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was silly. I thought Chris O'Dowd was a little too silly at times, where he shouldn't be silly. Um, you know, losing his arm, he was a little too cool with that at certain points, um, and joking about certain things that just happened, like you know, oh, there's where the worms went, and I'm like, oh. That's come on, uncalled for right now. <laughs> like that's I, that's funny for the audience to say that at home to themselves, but for an actual character in that situation to say it, I don't know. I'm not buying it. Um, I'm gonna give it a high taste, just because I I'm, I am a, I'm biased. I'm a sucker for this type of thing. Nothing is new here. There's it's like it's all ripoffs of like other things, and they shoehorn it in to the Cloverfield universe. So, but big yeah. time. But, <laughs> And yeah, this is the this is my least favorite Cloverfield movie um because of it's just not it's not inventive. Like even like like the first Clover it's I think the only thing that makes it Cloverfield is the way they introduced it. Like the the fact that they dropped it on Super Bowl night and shocked the fuck out of everybody because the first movie was set up with such like a viral marketing. It was such, such like one of like the earliest viral marketing movies you know it had like its own website and clues and they had like the whole date 11808 and it had like there's like dope people trying to figure things out from the movie and like nobody had seen like what the monster looked like before the movie came out i think there was maybe one picture of a toy that got leaked but um I mean, I don't know. It's such, such a secretive thing. And then the second movie, we didn't even know that it was perhaps like a a Cloverfield movie until the, until they announced that it was, and everybody was shocked. So I don't know. It just really kind of like it hit the mark when it came to like how they announced it. Like it really shocked me. But like as far as like the movie goes, and it being like inventive and like something new and different, it just missed the mark. So. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, Brian. The the way they promoted it and brought it out was yeah. definitely along the lines of Cloverfield, but the actual product itself didn't have the inventiveness of the Cloverfield name. Because I absolutely Tupperware the first two movies. Um, I think the first movie's brilliant so do I. with I the way it. they like work the VHS technology to where you're seeing the tape that's been taped over the tape. 
and actually learning about things when they stop and play the tape, just seeing those blips of tape that didn't get taped over. Like, I think that's one of the best conceits in a found footage movie I've ever seen. I think, so. I honestly think like going back now, I, I think that it was, be, they didn't release this in the theaters for this reason. Yeah, well, I, the effects weren't up, up to snuff either. I mean, no. yes, it took place <laughs> in space, but I mean, the exterior shots were very lacking. I actually checked my internet connection to make sure I was watching it in <laughs> the first time they started showing the, uh, the thing spinning around in space and, I was good to go. I, I I watched the Han Solo trail. It looked looked very crisp, and this was this looked very dull and made for TV. And yeah. oof, I feel like they knew from the go that this was a Netflix production. The way it looked, honestly. Yeah, that arm, man. That the 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 arm crawling along the floor. Wow. Spoilers, by the way, if anyone. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like Chris O'Dowd's arm, like crawling across the corridor, like the end where it got severed. That just it looks so bad. Oh, I don't it care. was almost like that was like that like, was my Ash versus Evil Dead moment right there. That was my that was my Evil Dead moment right there with this fucking crawling <laughs> arm. On the, I was just I was so into that. I wanted to know like what the fuck it's gonna do. I. <laughs> I love that part. I was like, "Oh shit, it wants a pen." Like I knew it wanted, I knew it wanted something to write with and I could not wait for them to give it something to write with. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't this is that's one of the reasons why i gave it like a low taste it and not not a toss it man because there are moments in this movie that i actually really enjoyed and the arm part was one but it it looks shitty like when they showed the, the seven end that looked so damn bad it oh was yeah terrible. it was terrible they tried to make it but yeah they yeah. tried to make it what well they tried to make it look like it like like it basically not carterized even it was just like basically like it was just like it was stuck in the paradox as well like yeah it was like it was like a cross section but it just and it was just there yeah it was really odd like an mri machine or something it was just like that was really bizarre there was one moment of this film that really made me mad just like the logic of what the characters are doing and it's when they first hear the noise behind the panel and it's like they established they have no weapons and they're just the entire crew, all six of them, are going to stand in front of this panel and open it when these crazy noises are going on. I know it ended up not being a monster. It was the person from the other reality stuck in the wires. But yeah. it's like, it just felt like the dumbest decision ever. Like, okay, we're just going to stand here and all get taken out by whatever's going on back here. <laughs> and speaking of no weapons, why was there a fucking blueprint for a gun on the 3D printer? <laughs> I think he like got that offline somewhere when he needed it. I don't. I don't did, know. I mean, he, was he working like with like he was Russian? So like, was he working with like? Did the Russians have him up there to? I don't know. Work I against no them or something. I, I thought. I thought that might be something to do with it because I mean, again, something I really enjoyed was the whole. It's all different countries are working together, which is really cool. But then you get. Well, they did that in life. I mean, this. Yeah. This was better yeah. than life. It really was. And I know some people will disagree with me, but I think, I agree with that. I think it was better than life. But. It didn't look better than life, but the <laughs> the story was better than life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That whole like political side of it with like the different countries and the like the you know, like the powers that be having their own agenda. You don't know who, you know, has got what mission, which was quite cool. I I really enjoyed that. Like all the stuff with Schmidt and d- that the alternate reality version of him was actually 
basically sabotaging everything so Germany could win a war against Russia before uh, the shepherd actually kind of worked. It was all that sort of stuff was really cool, yeah. but there was so much stuff in this that I absolutely despised. <laughs> but, but I mean, a lot of it is to do with the fact that it seems it starts one way. And I was watching it and I was like, this is kind of like Event Horizon, which is a movie I absolutely love. And I was like, so I'm kind of getting on board with it. And then, then Chris O'Dowd started dropping all those jokes. Like you were saying, like when he says, oh, that's where yeah. the worms are. He's and, like, he's like and, Michael Pena in Ant-Man in this fucking movie to me. Yeah, man. And uh, according to like what they've been doing already, like Volkov and, um, uh, uh Mundy, like they were like really good friends. And his friend has just tried to kill Schmidt. He's now had this crazy seizure worms explode out of his mouth and he dies yeah. and he cracks a joke that was <laughs> i know that was so <laughs> pretty lame. insensitive there yeah yeah it's mm. really weird it, that's the thing it, and then, as the movie goes on it almost yeah. seems like it doesn't know what it wants to be and so then it doesn't they, know whether or not it wants to be a horror i love it that they find the final infinity stone in volkov's stomach that's yeah, my after the part. hand tells them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's one part I didn't understand is like, how did that, is that part of just the paradox? That it, the, yeah. It, yeah, that was, and that's what they needed to, to get the whole space station back up and going. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of because in this movie. It's like we need something to happen, so it's going to happen. Why does it happen? Because because that's it. because yeah, no because other reason. Par- because paradox and as Schmidt said, chaos. So it causes chaos. So having yeah. a gyroscope inside your body is obviously part of chaos. I, it's like you know Jensen ending up in the wall. Yeah. What you know chaos. <laughs> I thought that. Well, I did. I thought that that was like you know the paradox and how. She was a member of the other Earth's crew, and so she just yeah. kind of like transferred over. And Tam wasn't supposed to be part of that crew, and and um, how the one lady was actually supposed to be back on Earth with her children. Her children was still alive, and I yeah. I didn't mind all that stuff. Like I like it. Like some people would be like, I don't care about that woman and her family, and it's like you. I get it. Like science fiction's cool, but like sometimes you've got to humanize things a little bit. And have us feel something. Like, why are characters doing things? And sometimes you want to have characters do things because they feel things. Um, and I, I thought it was kind of cool to get to know that character and, like, her family on her Earth died. And and that presented some interesting questions. And it makes you think, like, what is she going to do? Is she going to go to that other Earth and blah, 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 blah. So Yeah, I thought that stuff worked. I agree with you there, Brian. And I, I thought it the actual like final battle between her and the other character from the parallel dimension worked mostly because of the human yeah. emotion you're describing. Yeah. I mean, it was a little on the nose where we're seeing it on the uh, screen as it's killing her nemesis. Yeah. But, <laughs> but well, yeah, I, I, I kept thinking, you know, like when she's getting sucked through the back, I kept thinking like, are they going to do that thing in alien four where the alien Heads, yeah, you know, it gets start like the intestines yeah. start flying out the back of it, and we watch it. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I thought was yeah. going to happen as well. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that'd be oh. gruesome. You know, oh, the scene that was fucking dope though. Uh, maybe that may, that was I I thought was cool was the scene where the water froze when when it was when she that when that woman was drowning and she got exposed to space. 
thought that was sweet. I thought that that was fucking cool. Like it may not have like looked the best, but my God, if that wasn't a cool concept for that to happen, like the, the ass end of that fucking shit, that corridor bursted out and she froze. I was like, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. I, I kind of thought she might make it to the end, actually, too. So I was surprised by her death there. Well, I I did think they were smart because if you're watching – if you're looking at this cast and you're guessing, like, which character is going to turn evil, you're immediately, in my opinion, going to go to Daniel Brule because we've seen him take the turn in, um, you know, like Captain America Civil War and be evil. And so that's – and they and they they kind of like mis- give you the misdirection. They they want the other character um, from the paradox planet. She's saying like, "Yeah, Schmidt did it. Schmidt, don't trust Schmidt." And yeah, in her world, he did. Yeah, yeah, in her world, I guess he did. Because they yeah. actually had the proof. They had the uh, like the emails from yeah. the paradox or from the parallel universe. Yeah, yeah, confirming it, but they weren't his. Right, exactly. You know, me- yeah. memos, yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. I mean, you don't see the, like you said, you kind of predict that Schmidt is going to be bad, and then it turns out to be Jensen, but... Well, that's you know. why you cast Daniel Brühl, you know? And I like that, oh, they, yeah. that they, they, they gave us that misdirection, and then it turned out that he wasn't bad. I thought that that was cool, so... Yeah. Oh, I was going to say that, like, but obviously from being being from Europe and everything, like, I knew that, like, someone with an English or German accent was going to be bad because it wasn't going to be one of the Americans. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is Star Wars all over again. Of course. Did you, uh, oh, dear. Simon Pegg had a um, cameo in this? He was, uh, I guess, somebody that they were talking to over the tower. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, Ra- radio voice. Yeah. So he was probably the voice from the very beginning H- of the movie. Maybe he's the voice at the very beginning that they were talking to. Let me see if I can find out. Oh, exactly. okay, cool. And I think Greg Grunberg also had a cameo in this as well. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. He, he was Joe, um, who was the guy that um, Michael was talking to. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so he was the guy. He was Michael was trying to find out what was happening to Hamilton all the time. So that yeah. was Greg Greg Gunberg. Yeah, because like you know, Greg Grunberg has been working with JJ forever. They, he was in Star Wars, and then of course you know Simon Pegg's been working with him since like Mission Impossible Three. So, yeah, yeah, Grunberg's been in everything: yeah. Alias, Lost, Star Wars. Yeah, he's like his uh, Ted Raimi. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, how did you guys find the acting in this? Uh, I thought it was better than the effects by a load. <laughs> I, I I thought it difficult. I was fine with most of the acting except for Chris O'Dowd. He, I and I usually like him. I just felt like he felt like out of place in this movie. M- way much more than Danny McBride did in, you know, Prometheus and I thought that not from Prometheus um Covenant. Prometheus 2. Uh, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. Yeah, Chris O'Dowd, I, he started off great. He really did. And I was like, shit, he's going to like show us some good acting chops yeah. in this. And then he just reverted back to type. And obviously that was one of the reasons like, why they got him in, because he yep. was going to be the comic relief. Yeah. Which is a shame. I didn't think um, Gugu did a very good job, which was I was a bit disappointed with. Like when she was doing like the final call to herself and things like that, I just, a lot of what she did, I just wasn't, it wasn't coming across. Which was a shame, man, because I, like you guys were saying, I really enjoyed that story of like the, like the alternate reality and things yeah. like that and the reasons yeah. why 
you know, she ended up on the space station, but her alternate self didn't. Didn't. I thought story wise that was really smart, but I just did, I couldn't get behind her acting in this, which was tough for me to admit. I, mean, I thought the final caller herself was actually pretty good. Good. I'm glad somebody enjoyed it. <laughs> are you guys Are you guys happy with the explanation of how of the Cloverfield universe? Are you happy that they like this this third movie is part of the canon? Uh, not really. Um. I mean, the more I think about that, the more it angers me because it's just so like shoehorned in, kinda. Couldn't this have just have been like a like a sci-fi original film, you know? Like- yeah, and it's just so I don't know, it's so ridiculous. All the stuff where they were clipping back yeah. to the um, the guy on Earth and everything, and kind of doing the foreshadowing to the Cloverfield One movie, I, I did not really care for I, most of that stuff. I think the reason that they did it is the fact that this paradox has created something that's affected even the past now. So like it's that's cha- exactly right. It's changed yeah. history and we know that Cloverfield 4 Overlord is going to be set play it's going to take place in World War 2. So I mean that's probably that makes sense. This yeah. movie opens the door for them basically to do any movie they want now and yeah. have the explanation that there's a rift in space and this stuff can just pop out. Yeah, but yeah, you could have done better in executing this, I guess. I don't know. It's just... Well, this is one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of Lost and like the writing in that because it is very similar in the fact that they're just kind of like... It's again, it's that kind of because thing. So now they've got this reason... And they had um, I can't remember the guy's name. He was like he was like the the scientist guy that wrote the book that they had the news report on, like near the beginning of the movie. And he was saying, "Oh, Stambler, if, is it Stan?" Uh, yeah, yeah, Stambler. Yeah. yeah, I forgot the actor's name, but um, oh, Donald Logue. Don- yep, that's the guy. Donald Thank Logue, you. Yeah. Cheers. From uh, yeah, uh, Gotham. Gotham. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so he and they just kind of like it's all kind of mushed into like a couple of sentences, which is. Like if it goes wrong, it'll create chaos, yeah. and it will affect. It can be dimensions colliding, demons. Which is exactly what happened. Yeah, monsters. demons coming over from other places in the past, <laughs> present, and future. And I was yeah. like, so basically, anything that bad robot put together now, they can just have it happen whenever they like, and they could do whatever the hell they like. Right? Yeah, that's that's it's, exactly what this they did. movie did. Make pretty me, fucking lazy. It did make me very excited for Overlord, though. I mean, I'll tell you that much. Like it. Can't, oh, dude, yeah. fucking. Yeah. Aliens in World War Two? You kidding me? It's going to be so good. I know. I know. <laughs> Hopefully, they spend a bit more money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, I, 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 this movie was original. They, they, I think they spent more money on this than they had originally planned. This movie was supposed to be anywhere between five to ten million dollars before Paramount actually bought it out from the studio that actually shut its doors. What was the name of the studio that just shut down? Um, it, uh, uh, Insurge. This was, oh yeah, it was from Paramount's label, Insurge. And so Insurge is like not even a part of Paramount anymore. And, um, yeah, this, this started off with a five to ten million dollar budget. If you go to IMDb, I believe that they show it has, I think like maybe a forty million dollar budget by the time they got done with this thing. Jesus. <sighs> Hard to believe. A lot of that must have been the actors. So. Yeah, more than likely, man. Uh, one one thing that I did want to bring up, which I was I was disappointed with, was the score, like the actual music involved, and it's by a guy that I normally really like as well, which is Bear McCreary, who does all the music on The Walking Dead, and 
it was just it was so there was too much there was all these like really nice like moments like especially between like keel and the crew yeah. and there was just this like you know this this music in the background that never needed to be there like it just it silence says a lot in a movie and there was just this constant soundtrack especially in all of the kind of you know the more kind of tense scenes and stuff where stuff with the paradox is happening or like at the end when they're you know trying to um like release part of the ship and stuff like that there's just this music which is like cluttering up all the audio so it was it was really weird it's just such a kind of clunky movie do you know what i mean yeah hey yeah yeah the music was very jumbled and like noise question for yeah. you and this might be a stupid question guys but so the cloverfield universe the two movies that we saw before so basically this is a prequel and a sequel all in one it's yes a, it's oh, so, okay so are we to believe that those things already is this a bootstrap paradox or am i going crazy this is a multiverse multi-dimensional franchise okay because like it's not it's it's not a bootstrap paradox because there was nothing existing before this happened so this correct so this all yes okay so so it all started with shepherd nothing that nothing yeah there's nothing before shepherd that made any of this happen to make it a bootstrap paradox okay so anyway so the, the universe that we're watching in Cloverfield, the first movie, and then also in 10 Cloverfield Lane, we're to assume is the planet where the shepherd that survived is, is correct. Uh, it could be any. I, I reckon. I was thinking Clo- Clover- that the, <laughs> because the, no, the guy at the end of the movie, she goes back to her, uh, husband or whatever, and he's talking about, she, her coming back to monsters. Like before, he was like, you know, like, oh, I miss you so much. We got to find her. And now he's like, have her stay up in space. There's mon- monsters. Here. <laughs> so what are you doing? I just, I, yeah, I just assumed that the happy ending for like these two universes that that were kind of like created here that we're that we've seen the, the, is the the happy ending goes to the other universe where she uploads the the data from the. From from the shepherd that from their universe that'll show them how to stabilize the energy with the particle accelerator blah 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 so they have like renewable energy and it doesn't sound like they have any fucking monsters on their planet so it yeah, seems like I think you're right and they that kind of world that's, earlier in the movie that that's what they're gonna do they say we have to go back before yeah. we make it worse than we already probably have well you, you hear like over the when when they have their satellite to pick up like transmissions from that earth all you hear is like you know whatever it's like cnn or whatever and they're talking about how it's like uh china's going to war here um the united states and russia war 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 people are deploying troops here and it's just like it's like world war three going on there and it's it's probably because of this whole energy thing and like and so like now this will probably just create peace on that planet and now our planet's fucked yeah i think because what i've sort of like read and seen in the short time this movie's been out is that cloverfield like so cloverfield and 10 cloverfield lane yeah and the paradox are set on they're all different versions of earth because cloverfield is 2008 this is 2028 yeah yep and i'm not too sure about the timeline of 10 cloverfield lane but it's 
obviously we get the Cloverfield monster at the end of this, but it's in the future. So we have it going on in 2008, which is what the guy was talking about in the past, and you have it going on in the present as well. And then obviously, you know, after 4 comes out, we might get something set in the future as well. But to me, it just seems like they've ripped this, the whole in like space-time continuum yeah and all these different worlds are getting affected but i completely agree with the fact that the the earth that they left they're yeah. gonna be fine right they're gonna need they just need to build a new shepherd that's yes, all they need to do exactly and they have the, all the data that they need now for renewable energy yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're heroes to that other world yes Woo. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! She should have stayed. Oh my God! She should have stayed there. She her would have been. Her family was there. Her family was, was great. She would have, and, and and the whole world would have just adored her for like say for saving them, you know. Yeah. And Mike Michael's going to be a super lucky guy because he's going to have yeah. two wives, the same person. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow! Uh, like eat your heart out, Doctor Manhattan. Like, <laughs> Man, that's yeah, but th- th- uh, so we're not even going to get to find out what happened post twenty twenty eight in Cloverfield four. We're going back to World War two, which I think is really cool. I'm actually looking forward to that so much. Um, if you go, th- I actually posted a couple pictures of what I think are from Overlord. They were on um, IMDb as photos from overlord and these are definitely um of the uh, indicative of the time world war ii so yeah those photos were nice um i mean those photos look like the costumes look, look yeah. realistic and everything yeah. so yeah you know they're not gonna have to show any ridiculous exterior shots doing a world war ii movie so they've got that going for them oh man i just want dude i don't know like are we are they just gonna show straight up world war ii like them fighting monsters and shit <laughs> that, that's what I'm hoping for. I want to see like machine guns tearing through all of these so fucking on. well, the parasites yeah. that they called them in the first one. Are we still going up against Hitler though? Is that the, is that part of it? <laughs> I hope so. I hope hit, I hope the demons are teamed up with Hitler, <laughs> and we've got to take them all on. So are, okay, so the demons <laughs> like an issue of Hellboy. The demons are wearing like they're they're Nazis. They got like swastikas on them, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. oh my god! Oh man, this, this is what I'm, this is this is why it's so crazy, you know? Yeah. Like the like number two, incredibly contained movie. So, oh, such a good film. That second movie, man, it's so damn good. And now with this, it can just go wherever the hell it likes. So it's going to be completely nuts. The reason I really yeah. enjoyed the first one, Dan, I think if it was for me, I just thought it just the concept was. Um, and I, I don't want to take the, I don't want to say concept and, and turn that word into gimmick. Um, I, I, I love, I, I love the concept of, of, you know, like Godzilla shows up. What if we did have that as a found footage film? And I thought it did a really good job of showing us, yeah, characters make stupid decisions, but you've got to, you got to make a movie, man. You got to make a movie. Now, at the end of this movie, we see a giant. We actually see two. One is in like, okay, one is like off in the distance in like a big, um, explosion, like a cloud, right? Yes, yes. Okay, that actually kind of looked like the original Cloverfield monster. Yeah, it looked like more, it had more like, so than the foreground one. Yes, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it looked like it had like the like the the multi limbs and stuff like that, like yeah. in the smoke. That and that cool. one, oh my god, can you imagine if we get that monster in the World War Two movie? Because remember that one used to like spit out little babies and shit that would go around. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be dope, dude. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, man. Oh. Like having the guys in the trenches, like both yes. sides, <laughs> like the Allies and the Germans, like just getting swarmed oh. by all these parasites and just ah, just tearing the fuckers up with with the guns. I oh. oh man, and I hope they need to take like the they need to have a guy with like a flamethrower because I want to. Oh yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Yes. Uh, it's genius. Because, like, you heard the noises that that thing was making on the ship in this movie. Like, that little thing was going, I don't know, that yeah. little, you know, that crazy squealing noises that those things make. I want to see them squeal like that as they're burning, so. Yeah. But, yeah. That final oh, monster looked, really? that final monster looked like, I don't know, it looked like a beast. It was huge. Yeah, yeah I, I, wasn't, I wasn't too impressed with the final foreground monster, honestly. Well, I mean, the effects weren't great, but I mean, it had it. It did look like Cloverfield to me. Yeah, like it had yeah. the the same kind of head and like those big kind of weird sacks that stick out the top of his head when it roars and stuff like that. So yeah. I figured it was, you know, similar if not the same. Yeah, but it looked bigger. It looked a lot bigger. Oh, it looked huge. It looked. It looked I mean, it was above a cloud line. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that that's going to be interesting. Let's we'll see what they do with that. Are they just popping up through the ground and shit? Is that what's happening here? I mean, I, don't, oh, I think know. it's standing. I think it's standing on the ground and then above the cloud line. Right? No, no, no. Where do the? I, I'm saying like, where do these things come from? Are they? Are they coming up through the ground? Are they coming through um, a paradox, kind of like a vortex or something? Are they? Yeah, wherever the rift has been opened from the uh, dimension hopping they did. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, it's like it. Like I was saying, like it takes from a lot of other stuff. So the whole reason why all these monsters are coming out is very similar to the mist. So, like, you know, the Arrowhead guys in the mist, they, like, open this portal and then the mist comes in and all these fucking monsters come in. It's the same sort of thing I'm assuming they're going to be doing with this. So it's like wherever, you know, these portals pop up, these fucking great big creatures come out. So, yeah. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, I don't know. uh, I don't know if you have any more final thoughts on anything in the movie, cast-related or story-related or... Uh, I'm a little bit bummed, I guess, that I feel like a little bit of the specialness that was the Cloverfield brand is now kind of over now. It feels a little bit gimmicky now, where before we had, we had two movies that I absolutely adored, and now it kind of feels cheap and gimmicky. So I'm a little saddened by that. I hope the fourth movie is a lot better than this. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I mean, the only thing that I... I say the only thing. One of the things I love about the whole Cloverfield thing is what you were saying about like the online marketing and like the ARG that they do, like the alternate reality gaming side of it. So they have all the websites that pop up and there's people trying to like take stills from the movies and the websites and compare them and, and everyone's noticing all of like the um like the the logos from all the different companies that are involved in like the you know, the background that don't really get mentioned in many of the movies. And I love the, in, like the interconnectivity of it all. That's mm-hmm. really, really fun. That's great to be a viewer and to be part of that. But 
this film <laughs> it was like that almost all of that kind of got like just pushed to the wayside and we got we did get those easter eggs you know we got the slush show and we got like the the different corporations logos on the spaceship and um but aside from that you know and the fact that it dropped and it was like well shit you know this is out there wasn't really been much of a like a build-up for fans to kind of follow to kind of get stuck into do you know what i mean yeah yeah i don't think two weeks of build-up was going to help though dan no, I know you. <laughs> it's just like having like with with Ten Cloverfield Lane. Like there was there was so many things to do with that movie that like led to different websites and people were like decoding shit and stuff like that. Yeah. It's all things yeah. I love to follow. Um, and I, mean, I agree, they, but at the base of that is an incredible movie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but it's just it's kind of like from what I've seen, you know, there's not been any like internet buzz and there's not been any of like the ARG from the previous movies for this one. So I think we had one, the, uh, the video of, um, oh Christ, I've his name again, uh, Stambler. Uh, that video was on the 10 Cloverfield Lane, one of those linked websites. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like a stack, staticky, pixelated version of the exact same interview that was played in this movie, which which is really cool. But aside from that, there's not really been anything to kind of get just, people really excited well, about just, this. I mean, this movie just got released. Just wait. There will be diehard fans that will be watching this frame by frame, picking it apart. And the subreddit for Cloverfield will probably go nuts with speculation and more Easter eggs and more theories within the Yeah, Cloverfield. fingers crossed. So I, I, I'm looking at Overlord right now, and they've got, uh, as far as a director, Julius Avery, and he has done – Son of a Gun, which is – I've never seen. It's uh, Ewan McGregor, um, Brenton Thwaites, Alicia Vikander. I mean, good cast. It's got like a – Six yeah, six point five rating on um, on IMDb and a Metascore of forty nine. Um, he, he did, yeah, he did Yard Bird. He was a a writer for that. It's a short film. It's a thirteen minute short, seven point two rating there. Jerry Can was a fourteen minute short, and that's a six point three. This guy doesn't have a lot um, in his resume. The writer, I'm a little bit more confident in. Um, the writer is Billy Ray. Uh, he did the story and screenplay, and it looks like he's done, Billy. Uh, he has done uh, Hunger Games film. He did um, Captain Phillips. He wrote for Captain Phillips. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Hearts he wrote Achy, Breaky Heart. No, and that's Billy Ray Cyrus. Hearts, <laughs> Hearts War. He was he wrote the screenplay for Hearts War. Oh, he did the screenplay for Volcano back in '97. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I don't know. I we'll see. Volcano's pretty fucking fun. We'll see. Yeah, I I'll take that over Dante's Peak. So. Me too. Yeah, there's a lot of great movies in there. You know that he's connected to. Yeah. So that that's a. That's promising. We'll see. We'll see. I hope it's good. I hope it's good. I just want to see fucking like Band of Brothers meets, you know, crazy B level, you know, um, monster movie. So yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I months. hope. I hope Cloverfield's over. They ruined it. <laughs> uh, I just think where was all of the like, like even though I tossed the first one, mm-hmm. there's lots of cool things in there. Like like you were saying about the VHS, and they would have. There's like still shots in there that uh, is where like the tape warps and goes to like the present day footage, and they actually like 
J.J. Abrams like put in stills of old monster movies and things like that. So there's like a there's like a Kong still in there. There's a, a something from what's called the Beast, and then there's um there's one which is the giant ant movie. Them there's all these stills like in where the cuts are in, in the tape, which is really cool. And it wasn't anything like that in this, and there wasn't really that much mystery involved like there was in Ten Cloverfield Lane either. I'm just kind of struggling. You know, well fuck it, I'm tossing this movie. I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm. The more I talk about it, the more I kind of want to toss it too. I, mean, I, I honestly, it's not. I, I honestly, go ahead. I still, I, I don't hate it as much as you guys. I still stick to my high taste. I had a lot of fun with it, as cheesy as it was, because I'm, I'm a sucker for this type of movie. But I, I think what happened was that this insurge, they made the movie. It wasn't supposed to be part of the Cloverfield universe. Um, and then they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't see it coming together well. Um, they'd seen what Cloverfield, what, what putting the Cloverfield name did for, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. So they thought that they would do that here. Um, it just, they happened to not have like the pedigree of a great director of Dan Trachtenberg involved in this film. I mean, this is just not as good a movie. And then when you slap that, when you slap that label on there, I think at this point it's just like it was just it was it, I felt like Netflix did use it as a Super Bowl gimmick and you know it got everybody to watch this thing like immediately there was a lot of hype behind this man that first night and then it just died off and everybody realized that this movie's not as what they wanted it to be like honestly for me I had a lot of fun watching it just but I would if I could like strike strike it from the Cloverfield canon, I would immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's a toss it. If you could strike it from canon, no, no, it's no, 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 no. I don't want it to be. No, it's not, Jake. I had I had B level science horror fun with this one. I was laughing at the hand shit. I was. <laughs> I wanted. I. It, it, it was so bizarre and silly that I wanted to know what was going to happen next. I really did, and I didn't hate this movie. I didn't. And like get done watching it and say, oh my god, it's awful. But do I think that this movie is inventive enough? It's like it's like me basically saying like, oh yeah, I would love for Sharknado to be part of the Cloverfield canon now. No, I, I, Jake, I, <laughs> no, I get you. I love I get you. I love Sharknado movies. I think they're silly and stupid, but that's because they know what they are. This was something that. I think if it knew what it was, a B-level bullshit m- movie uh, of uh, a science fiction horror, if it knew that's what it was, I'd be happy with it. I'd be like, you know what? This is better than life. This was better than some of the other attempts at these types of films. I'm going to give. It I a agree high with taste that. Of- if it wasn't a Cloverfield movie, I would I would definitely like it more. But it ruining the name of Cloverfield makes me kind of hate it. They took the name of Cloverfield in vain. According to Jake <laughs> Elliott. No, I get you, dude. They did. I get you. They fucked it up. They dropped the ball. I'm yeah, just... I think I think a lot of the problem I have with it is, like I said, the whole... It doesn't really know what it wants to be, like, from start to finish. Like, the first, like Jake was saying, like, the first kind of half was I thought was really good. And then, then it kind of, like, petered off, and I, I did start losing interest. But then they add the Cloverfield tag on top of that. And they try and shoehorn it in, and then it it becomes something completely different and even more complicated and doesn't know what it wants to be even more. So it's a big jumbled movie. It's very strange. 
<laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. So yeah, I'm, I'm within this episode. I'm retro tossing it. Uh, Yay! Two I'm, retro tosses. I am, I'm fucking. I'm going to give it a Tupperware now. Just uh, yes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I am. I'm sticking with my. I'm sticking with my high tasted. I. I think like. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. I just. I wish it was just called God Particle at the end of the day. And not yeah. not Cloverfield Paradox because I I'm just a sucker for this type of movie. I just don't think it's worthy of the Cloverfield uh, title. Um, I I still this is I don't know if it dampers my um my my uh, expectations for the fourth one. I think it's kind of a crapshoot. I mean, none of these movies really were supposed to be titled Cloverfield. Even the first one was just the 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 Cloverfield. Not it wasn't supposed to be called Cloverfield. That was just like the. Uh, um, is that like a working title? Yes, working title that they had, and it just stuck. You know, it was like when when Empire Strikes Back was called Blue Harvest. If it would have just yeah. continued to be called Blue Harvest, and um, that's what happened with Cloverfield, it just kind of stuck. Um, so, I yeah, I, I did. I did pick up one very cool thing in this, which was the lady that is the newscaster that's talking to Stambler, who yeah. obviously this whole interconnected thing. Mark Stambler, who's like you're saying, is played by um, Donald Logue. Stambler's the same name as John Goodman's character, who, you know, Howard Stambler. So that's pretty sweet. But Susan Cryer, who plays the newscaster, she also plays the lady that turns up at Stambler's, um, uh, what's it called? Bunker. Mm-hmm. So the one that's like banging on the door. Yeah, it's the same actress, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, that is a cool little connection. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? But that's the sort of stuff I love. But it was, it was, there's a couple little bits that, but like that, that I think is awesome. They kind of push it all together. But it, at the end of the day, because of the rest of the movie, it's just all forced. And it's, ah, it's weird. Oh. Ah, yeah, see? I don't know. I love the weird. Uh, let, me make, yeah. <laughs> let, me make, let me make this prediction. That if this next movie does not do well, and even if it does do well, who knows? They, I, I think that this, I think we're seeing possibly the, the beginnings here of a Netflix TV series on Netflix. Of, oh, of a, oh yeah! Of, of, excuse me, of a Cloverfield Netflix series. Oh yeah, I knew what you meant. Beyond, I agree with that beyond the shadow of a doubt. Netflix yeah. Cloverfield series is on the way. Mm. Yeah. Do you want that though? Oh no! Uh, now no. <laughs> if they told oh, me, yes. If well, if they told me that Jordan Peele had been signed on to do the Cloverfield universe, I'd say, yeah, oh, let's well, let's see what yes. you can do. I mean, it really depends on like you know if they, who they get behind it. I mean, Matt Reeves, I think, was originally at one time attached to the Cloverfield universe, and I mean, and it's the same thing with Drew Goddard. You know, what if these guys said, yeah, we'll we'll head this up. You know, like. J.J. Abrams is going to be producing with, you know, maybe Drew Goddard in charge of this universe. I'd I'd be willing to give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely tune in. I mean, the, the Cloverfield name will probably still let me. I'll be curious, but I'll be very skeptical. No, I mean, if it came down to like, hey, Brian, you can only watch one series. It's either, you know, 10 episodes of Cloverfield or six episodes of the new Black Mirror series coming out. I'd be like, oh, hit Black Mirror all day. So. Yeah, by Cloverfield. Yeah. Did you yeah. say? Did you say Matt Reeves was connected to the Cloverfield universe? Yeah. Um, let's see here. He directed the first one. Oh, was he the director for the first? That's right. Um, J.J. Yeah. Uh, Abrams was producer on that film, and it was Matt Reeves that was the director for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's there cool. we go. So, I, yeah, and then Drew Goddard wrote it. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So. All right. Yeah. I don't know. It's been so long since I've 
I haven't seen Cloverfield at probably, I'd say, close to after it came out. Yeah, I need to watch it again. I really do. After, honestly, after this, I kind of want to go back and watch the other two as like a palate cleanser. Yeah, great idea. Hmm. I want to just find that. I want to watch it just to see if like there are any connections, you know, other than the stuff that I the downright noticed. Oh, there's there's tons, man. Yeah. If 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 anyone like listening follows like the all the stuff on the internet, there's so much stuff that connects them all together. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I, I don't know if you know this, but even if you, if you flip the um the poster for the first Cloverfield movie, you can actually see a silhouette in smoke of the monster if you like mirror image the poster. Huh. Oh, yeah. that's cool. I know, and there's, there's so much stuff. It's like in 10 Cloverfield Lane, you can see the bad robot in the background. Megan's name is like etched into the post uh, that the letterbox is on. There's so much shit going on. That's all the stuff that I've really enjoyed with this, but this just didn't have it yet, like you were saying, Brian. Might yeah. get it later. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate, guys. It uh, it didn't. Uh, it wasn't a Tupperware all the way around for all of us. That's that sucks because uh, it wasn't a Tupperware for any of us. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> saying it wasn't a Tupperware. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is like it wasn't a Tupperware for you know all of us is what I what I meant to say. But yeah, uh, but it's good that we got you know difference of opinion on this one because I know that like you know listeners to the show it, that's been split as well there's a lot of tupperwares there's a lot of tossits and there's a lot of stuff in between so yeah, yeah interesting movie yep i don't know it's one of those things where i i enjoy it for what it is and try to not look at the cloverfield shortcomings of it so yeah <laughs> uh, cloverfield became science fiction channel original movies i'm so sad hey, <laughs> sci-fi is actually Sci-fi is getting better. Like we, we're not going to be saying that anymore uh, for a long time. Sci-fi and USA both are starting to just drop. Uh, they said they're just going to start dropping f bombs on their program, in their programs. So I was like, that's cool. I'm so happy that that uh, they're not going to. I don't know. It's, it just seems like it just it just makes sense. You know, I I, I would just wish like you know like back when um, AMC was doing Breaking Bad, like. If they would have just dropped f bombs on that show, because it would just it would have made it that much more realistic. Yeah, you know, Walking Dead always felt like a place where f bombs could be used too. Honestly, yeah, and they can use like uh, they they can use f bombs. Apparently, I thought that they could only use one per season, um, but I'm finding out with like uh, different reports that I'm reading is like any of these cable channels um, can do it. The reason that they haven't is because they've been worried about. Um, Sponsors, uh, like uh, for commercials, for ads. Um, wow! Not wanting to support like a show, like let's say Mr. Robot. If there's multiple f bombs dropped in the episode, they're worried about different sponsors, you know, um, wanting to be associated with that. And um, you know, that's why HBO, you know, people are paying for subscriptions. That's why it, you know, they can do whatever the hell they want to. They're not worried about you know what companies are are purchasing um, commercial time. Yeah. That's amazing, man. You can see someone's face get ripped off, but if someone says fuck, they're fucking out. Yeah, yeah I don't want my Pepsi <laughs> being shown next to that. Yeah, it's, it's the thing. I think I think they're going to learn that um, a lot of people are saying that they're doing it because of their cable TV is going to have to do something to compete with the streaming services. So, you know, Netflix as a model doesn't have any ads. 
and they're the industry leader right now as far as the streaming stuff is concerned. And so cable's just doing what they can to kind of keep up. Um, and um, Yeah, and even all that's become a la carte, like piece by piece. All yeah. the cables are branching off into their own streaming services. We saw last year, you know, Taboo on FX, they were dropping the F-bomb. So, you know... Um, it's just one of those things I think we're after like nine o'clock, you know, central time or whatever that it just gets a little bit easier to kind of use that type of language. So the kids are in bed and stuff like that. So yeah, and yeah, technology is so easy to do parental controls on these devices now too. So you just don't even go to those channels. Yeah. 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 I mean, some of these things, they, they do need it. It was like you were saying, Jake, that like walking dead, you, you, you want people to say fuck. If I dead. see zombies, you can't get me to stop saying fuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly, I mean, man. with Breaking Bad, it's like he's, you know, they used every other word but fuck, you know? It's like you're telling me that the F word doesn't exist in that universe that, you know. Was, yeah, like in the crime side of uh, yeah. that particular area, exactly. no one says fuck. <laughs> and dealing with, like, all the, like, the, 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 the meth dealers and stuff like that, like, what, Tico Salamanca is not dropping an F-bomb every once in a while? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, see, I could understand why, like, Gus doesn't say it, because he's a very, like, intelligent, like, what was I going to say? Shit. Yeah, but, like, once you get to, like, you know, season four, he's going to drop an F-bomb. Oh, right? he's definitely going to drop an F-bomb. Yeah. <laughs> But he doesn't. It's weird. Yeah. All right, guys. That's all I got for for Cloverfield. You got anything? Yeah, else? me too. I, this was a good Cloverfield eulogy. I'm glad we did this. Jake is Overfield Cloverfield. <laughs> Overfield. Oh man. Game. I'm gonna, stop, I'm gonna play taps for it. Game Overfield Cloverfield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm definitely gonna go back and watch the other two. Oh. Just. Uh, Kind of cheer myself up a little bit. Don't think that I'm going to find the taps sound effect, uh, the song, and play it at the end of this episode. Jake. <laughs> I'm going to go find my collection and burn it in effigy. Jeez. Aww. <laughs> All right, <laughs> listeners. I hope you enjoyed the bonus episode. If you didn't, whatever. It's free. <laughs> yeah. Blow off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see. Uh, see you next week. And then after that, we'll see you with Black Panther, and I'm looking forward to that. So, oh, me too. All right. See you guys later. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, hey, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap! Good
Toxic Trinity, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture. Leftover. And you're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.